This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Laravel News Podcast. This is episode 142. I was just telling my wonderful friend here, Mr. Dorinda, that in my life, before I met Michael Dorinda, I had probably talked to maybe two Australians in my whole life. I remember the first Australian I talked to, the very first one. The very first. Ben Cole. It was a, it was a, it was a girl and girl. She, was, uh, she was with a friend of mine. For some reason, she was like visiting. She was a student. And I remember just wanted to hang around her because I thought her accent was so freaking cool. Isn't that silly? But it's true. Yeah, it is. It is it's true. Funny. It's funny. Yep. Um, it's funny because when you live here, well, when you're within your own pocket of people, you don't notice it. As in, I don't notice that there is an Australian accent because it's just, that's what we sound like. Until You, you go tone it down state. a bit for the show though. You, you do. You tone it down a bit. For the for the show because I've heard you talk with other people like I remember one time you had to go talk to the delivery guy and yeah. it was not the Michael Dorinda that I talked to <laughs> it, <laughs> it was, was a different Michael Dorinda altogether <laughs> it was Mister Australian Michael Dorinda you guys used all sorts of different words it was crazy and I was if, like what in the world is that how you normally talk I mean yeah, if mate. I use my general <laughs> general drawl then most people wouldn't understand. You know, we'd have to it's, subtitle. We'd have to provide a transcript of the podcast. So. It is true. Yeah, and and not to mention all the curse words either. Mm. Yes, every every other word's a curse word. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just how it is. And so I remember. Yeah, it's just funny. So <laughs> anyway, I don't know why. I don't know why that was of of interest, but it was. So uh, there's the little tidbit for you folks. Hey, yeah, thanks again for uh, tuning in with us. I want to also give a shout out to Scout APM application performance monitoring for your PHP applications. We're going to talk about them just a bit later. But before we jump into the news, releases, news, developer tools, tutorials, packages, community links, and more. Anything special going on for you, Michael? How'd you, well, how was Mother's Day? Did you guys do Mother's Day? Yeah, yeah, Mother's every, Day. Like, different, different people do different you know, days yeah, I know that, day, but. yeah, I know that we and the US do it in May. I think the UK does it later in the year. I don't I don't know yeah. who picks days and why it can't just be one day everywhere. But um I was yeah, talking we went, to Wilbur Powery, yeah, about it. And his uh they do in Honduras, they celebrate Mother's Day today. But he's from Honduras, but he lives in Costa Rica, but his wife is from El Salvador. And so she's like, well, you should do Mother's Day in Honduras Day and then also in El Salvador Day and then also in Puerto Rico Day. So like she's going to get three Mother's Days this year because it's their first baby and that's what you should do. So that sounds like a grift to me. <laughs> yes. A friend, a friend of mine, she announced on Mother's Day that she was pregnant and she's saying that she's trying to get her husband to buy a present. And I said, mm-hmm. just wait until you get the COVID vaccine so that the baby's got reception and they can uh, buy their own present for you. There you go. There you go. Absolutely. But, uh, it sounds like a good plan to me. Yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately, can't get the uh, vaccine when you're pregnant. So, And we, I mean, she won't be pregnant by the time we actually get the vaccine here. So whatever. Garbage. Garbage. Garbage indeed. Shall we? Shall Let's we jump in it. then, my friend? Yeah. Let's no, get into it. No Laravel releases. Dries has been on uh, on vacation doing some things so 
no, no, no framework releases, but we did get some releases for a couple of first-party packages, the first of which being Laravel Scout version 9, which adds support for Melee Search. So Melee Search is a, uh, what do we call it? What are we going to call it? We're going to call it an Elasticsearch hmm. compatible, uh, adaptable API, API sort yeah. of thing. So right. it's, it's another version of Elasticsearch, kind of like your Algolia and things like that. Uh, but one of yep, the most yep. attractive things about Mueller Search is that it's fast, it's open source, it's built with Rust, and it's easy to deploy. And some of the main features mentioned from the projects readme are that you can search as you type, which is great. You get answers in under 50 milliseconds. You get full text search. It is typo tolerant, so it does understand typos and misspellings, which we're all prone to all the time. Just ask anyone who indeed, ever receives indeed. a text yes. message from me. You have faceted <laughs> search and filters. It supports kanji characters, synonyms. It's easy to install, deploy, and maintain. Whole documents are returned. It is highly customizable, and it has a RESTful API. The Laravel Scout integration means you can use Mealy Search seamlessly via the familiar Scout API by simply configuring the plugin to use the Mealy Search driver and installing the accompanying SDK. So there's a number of ways of getting up and running. You can uh, install it using Brew. You can run it in a Docker container. The installation documentation is comprehensive for your specific platform and the ease of getting an instance running is very attractive to lowering the barrier of entry to start tinkering with Scout. If you have ever tried to get Elasticsearch up and running and finding a compatible version Mm -hmm. and finding like the right version of Elasticsearch that works with the right version of Scout, it can be a bit tedious, so definitely check that out. We now have support in Laravel Scout for Algolia, Search, and any of the others you want by writing your own custom engine if that is something that is of interest to you. You can learn more about Laravel Scout v9, get the full installation instructions, and view the source code on GitHub. We'll have links to all of that and the documentation, which will be coming soon. Links in the show notes. Yeah, this is, uh, as I'm looking at the installation instructions, it does seem really comprehensive, which is good. So, you can install it just with curl. Like if you don't want to use brew on your Mac or on your Windows machine, you can just install it with curl. There's homebrew as well. So you just brew install uh, Melee Search. Docker, you can use apt-get, right? Apt-update, mm-hmm. apt-install, Melee Search, HTTP. So that's great. So if you're running a Linux server, you can do that. You can also compile it from source. You can also do cloud deploy. So you can click one-click AWS DigitalOcean boxes that you can spin up. Uh, so really... Lots of good options here for you to get started with. And of course, since it's compatible also with your Mac, just throw it up on there, throw it in the Docker container, throw it in Homebrew, mm-hmm. and get started right away. So it looks you, really, really good. If you're using Laravel Sale, you can even configure Sale to use it. So you can pass, uh, I think when you do the, nice. the build command, you can just say, I want MySQL and Mealer Search, and it will just build your image like that, ready to go. Yeah. So lots of good stuff there. So uh, definitely check that one out. I might be looking into that one myself. Okay, we've got Cashier Stripe adding support for managing customer tax IDs. So Cashier Stripe version 12.13 ships with these helpful new methods for managing customer tax IDs for Stripe customer. So you have now user tax IDs, which will return all of the customer's tax IDs in a collection instance. You can retrieve a specific tax ID from the customer using the find tax ID method. You can create a new tax ID for the customer, or you can delete a tax ID from the customer. So these methods are useful for storing these tax ID pieces of information in Stripe alongside your other user account information that is also found in Stripe. So they've got a couple um, text versions of the code examples that are from the pull request of 1137. Uh, so you can start using that in Cashier Stripe to manage all of your tax IDs 
really, really easily. You can also check out the Stripe API documentation for the customer tax IDs, uh, which is a helpful resource as well if you'd like to learn more about the APIs that Casher uses to manage, or, to manage all of that customer data. It is nice to have those things up in Stripe as well mm-hmm. when you're dealing with the customer in Stripe to not have to sort of manage the back and forth between your own database and yeah. the, and the uh, Stripe database. Yeah. It's nice that they have a spot for that up there. So that's really mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. So that is now in version 12.13. If that's something you need, go ahead and consider upgrading. Uh, it'd probably be worth your time. Yeah. All right. What else we got here? Composer security updates. Let's yes, hear about indeed. It. Composer had a security <laughs> vulnerability reported as a CVE. That is CVE 2021-29472 if you're interested and a new version has been released to address that particular vulnerability. So if you are running Composer on any and all of your systems, Composer self-update will get you the latest version 2.0.13, including the fix. According to the announcement from the, the uh, Composer team, as a precaution after updating Composer, we recommend you audit your Composer.log files to ensure they only contain URLs and none which start with dash dash. For example, dash dash config, uh, which could be considered a command line option. Should you find any such URL values despite the belief of the team that this vulnerability was not exploited in the wild, please contact them immediately, emailing security at packages.org. So there was a vulnerability uh, dis- discovered that allowed uh, injection of basically command line parameters to be shoved into the composer.lock file. Uh, I don't know the specifics of that, but in general, it is always recommended that you review changes that you make to your log files to ensure no untrusted dependencies or external URLs are introduced into your application. That this is package packages.org metadata uh, and content downloaded from a location chosen by the package maintainers. If you are using private packages, this stores copies of mirrored package content so Composer can download them from there. But the log files will still contain the maintainer's original URLs for reference and as a fallback. I kind of stumbled my way through that because I was trying to read it and and uh, and say it out loud at the same time. So if you want more information, we'll have links to the show notes and the official announcement from Packages. Basically, long and short of it, Composer self-update your Composer instances on all of your servers, development environments, etc. Yeah, I think also if you're running Forge uh, by chance... That does Composer self-update, I think, every night anyway. Mm. It does by default. If you have an older server, yeah. make sure that you have updated that command uh, if if relevant to you because by default, it will do version 1. Um, yes, so I had it up a, the hard way. Yeah, I had a server the other day that would not let me install things because my lock file had been built with Composer v2 and it still had Composer v1 on there. So I just went and updated that. So. Yeah, so like I went, so what I did is I went into the server on the command line and then I updated it to version two. And then the next day I went to deploy and it wouldn't work. I'm like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. So I had to go in like the version one again. What is happening? Right. And so it's because it was running that self update every night, but it was reverting it back to version yeah. one because it didn't have the dash dash two on the end. So yeah, if you haven't done that, composer self update, self dash update dash dash two will get you the, will get you composer two. Mm-hmm. So yeah, consider running that on each of your servers to get the latest version to make sure that you don't have anything that's going to be vulnerable or compromised there. Okay. We also have, and at the end of, uh, before we started the show, I told Michael, I was like, hey, there's something else I want to talk about. It was this actually. Michael's like, it's already in the notes. Simple automatic upgrades for Tailwind CSS with Shift. So if you've never heard of Laravel Shift before, it is an amazing tool written by Jason McCreary, uh, a.k.a. at Gone Dark or a.k.a. JMac. And um, what it does is it allows you to shift your Laravel projects from one version to another. 
They also have a whole bunch of other shifts that you can do, things like uh, making sure that your code base is um, uh, like done the right, quote unquote, the right way, right? The Laravel way, or there's yeah. a shift from not having your models in the models directory slash namespace and moving those into there. There's things going through that will make sure that you're using either consistently like the helpers, like request parens or, you know, request colon colon, whatever. All sorts of different shifts that are available in there, as well as the workbench shifts, which are also awesome, which I'm not going to talk about too much. But on Monday, they released Tailwind shifts for upgrading Tailwind projects all the way back to Tailwind 0.x. So while beta versions of these shifts were launched in March, they are now considered stable after being run on over 100 Tailwind projects. So similar to Laravel shifts, the Tailwind shifts automate the process of upgrading your Tailwind projects between major versions of Tailwind. In addition to taking care of tedious tasks like renaming your utilities or bumping dependencies or restructuring your Tailwind config file, they also, I think, are working on handling a prefixed version of it, right? So, Michael, you or I, if we have, if we try and pull a tailwind to like maybe a legacy project, a lot of times in order to make sure that it's not going to conflict with anything else, you'll almost namespace tailwind by putting something like TW dash mm-hmm. in the front of any tailwind classes, right? So, that's not available quite yet, I don't believe, but it will be soon. So the Tailwind Converter, oh, sorry, in addition to upgrading Tailwind, Shift also offers a Tailwind UI shift for updating component styles between Tailwind UI version 1 and Tailwind UI version 2. So the Tailwind Converter for updating any CSS framework like Bootstrap to Tailwind was also updated for Tailwind2.x. So this will take your Bootstrap and it will change it to Tailwind, which is amazing. I actually did not know that that was a thing until I just read it now. So all of my projects are going to be getting off of Bootstrap, which I'm really happy about. (laughs) Uh, They also released a free Tailwind linter, which is in beta, but it will streamline your Tailwind config file and future versions will include fixes for removing redundant and outdated utilities as well as ordering your utility classes. Wow, that would be something I would run on like every, like in my continuous integration almost. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like trigger a build for the Tailwind linter on every, on every, uh, build to make sure that it's consistent in, in the way that it names and orders the utilities. So that's pretty cool. I happen to be a Laravel shift like premium member. Mm. So I pay like the the big price tag to get all the shifts for, f- you know, quote unquote included. Free. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah ex- included. Right. And it's totally worth it by the yeah. way. It's really, really great. I use it all the time. So ringing endorsement for shift, definitely check them out. And they also happen to be Laravel news partners too. So Thanks to JMac and the team there. Definitely check out these shifts if uh, you haven't used them before and um, get your shift on. Get your shift Beautiful. together. What's, what else could we do? Your shift, what, what could Sarah. We do <laughs> <laughs> what else? We've got to come up with something. Jason's got to get, he's got to get on that bandwagon. Australia, that would, totally, that would really go well, right? With all the cursing you do. And, uh, oh, boy. Just kidding. Just <laughs> kidding. Come on. You know I'm messing. All right. Let's, Let's go. go. Let's keep Let's going. Here we go. Password validation rule object was added in Laravel 8 uh, probably a week or two ago now. It's a new password rule object included as of Laravel 8.39 thanks to the efforts of Nuna Maduro. The password object has a fluent API for common password requirements as well as a compromised password check using the really Have cool. I Been Pawn service. Originally released in Laravel 5.5, custom validation rule objects offer a fluent alternative to string-based rules and in their simplest form, the password rule, in its simplest form, the password rule object replaces string-based validation rules. So where you would have um, in your validation array, you know, password, arrow, 
and then required, comma, confirmed, you know, um, min colon eight. You can now either replace the rules there themselves and you can chain them all together. So you could say password colon colon min eight, arrow, mixed case, arrow, letters, arrow, numbers, arrow, symbols, arrow, uncompromised. So you never have to write a custom regex logic for typical scenarios such as requiring mixed case, uh, letters, symbols, etc. The cherry on top of this is the uncompromised method, which will check the password against a verification API to see if the password appears in any data leaks. This release ships with a not pawn verifier implementing the Have I Been Pawned API. For those of you who may possibly be concerned about the security implications of shipping passwords around, that's not what happens in this scenario. I don't remember the specific wording of it, but essentially what this does is it will generate a hash of the password and send like a partial string across. So it'll generate, you know, an MD5 hash hmm. or a SHA string or whatever. It'll grab the the first 20 characters and then use that to compare the 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 um the, the password for whether or not it's been compromised. So we'll, I'll try and find the the link and put that in the show notes that explains further how this this actually functions. But rest assured, there is no plain text passwords being shipped around the place as a result of using this uncompromised helper. So uh, definitely check that out. It's going to simplify password validation quite a bit. For sure. Absolutely will. Okay, so let's talk about some developer tools. So Tinkerwell, which is a popular desktop app with Laravel developers that allows you to run PHP code and quickly try out new ideas, has launched a brand new version that supports Apple Silicon. So if you happen to have an M1 uh, chip in your MacBook, this is something you're going to want to check out. And it also includes a lot of other great features. Uh, here are some of the highlights. So you have real-time code output. So previous versions of Tinkerwell would buffer the output and then show you the evaluated result. With the new version, that's not the case. So they will show you the output of your PHP code in real-time as it occurs instead of showing it to you all at the end. So you can also stop long-running PHP processes if they're uh, running by clicking the run button again. And it will have a loading indicator in the toolbar so you always know the state of your code evaluation. It also has an improved SSH connection manager. This is a welcome change. I always had a little bit of an issue getting the SSH stuff to work in Tinkerwell. Mm. So it got a completely new redesign in this version with some uh, great new features. It allows you to sort and group your SSH connections, which is useful if you have like the same site on different environments, for example, like if you have one in staging and one in mm-hmm. production. Yeah. In addition to grouping and sorting, you can also color code your SSH connections, which I happen to do in things like uh, Table Plus, so I have, you know, my production is red, my local is like green or something like that, yeah. right? When you open up an SSH connection, you'll also see the color code within the tab bar. So you always know which connection you're currently working with. We also have a new shortcut. So they added the new shortcut that allows you to toggle the auto code evaluation mode. So if you press control or com- I suppose on Mac, it's command shift A, control shift A on Windows to toggle between automatically evaluating your code as you type it or manually running it by pressing command R or pressing the run button in the toolbar. So Lots of new stuff there. Some pretty great updates. Um, Michael, do you happen to have an M1 yet? I do. Yeah, my my work machine is an M1. Um, so yeah, I will definitely I'm check that out. out for like. I heard they got M2s coming out like this mm. fall with the yeah new the MacBook 14 Pros. and the 16s. Yeah, it'll be interesting to yeah, see. Yeah, I think I'm holding out. I mean, this 13 inch M1 is as good as my 16 inch MacBook Pro. So I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't replace the 16. Although I said that when the 16 came out that I wasn't going to replace my 15. So. Who knows what will actually happen? The thing that I'm uh, interested in with Tinkerwell, and I don't really have any way of 
of checking this anyway. At my last job, we used to have to like go through jump hosts to get to any of our production mm. applications and Tinkerwell just couldn't, mm-hmm. like he couldn't read my SSH config file. So it, could, it didn't know how to like get through the jump host get to get it, to yeah. wherever it needed to. So shame that I can't test that out. It'd be interesting to see if, if this new uh, connection manager does anything about that or not. I might have to hit up some of the people left over and see if they can test that out for curiosity's sake more than anything else. Yeah, I've, I've used this a couple of times in production. It's a little bit scary. <laughs> Yeah, it's a little bit scary to use in production, uh, but I have done it a couple times. Um, so, anyway, yeah. do what you will, folks. Do what you will. Sharp knives. Sharp do knives. Do what you want. That's right. Okay. Cool, Another cool. cops. Hashtag um, Adam the cops. I've got that gif. I'll put that in the show notes. <laughs> uh, if I can. I don't know if I can put an image in the show notes. I'll share it. Next we'll up, it we have a new project from Catherine Peterson, which helps you create your next project's readme file with a uh, web web tool, web, web tool, readme.so. The readme.so editor gives you visual cues, starter section templates, and includes many standard readme sections you're likely to use. It also has a nice preview to help guide you along the way. Never forget a section of your readme again. Select sections to add to your readme, edit the contents, and drag them to rearrange with a live updating rendered preview of your markdown. Then all you need to do is download the markdown file and chuck it into your Git repository. The editor includes both go. light and dark editor support, and you can download or copy-paste the raw markdown of your README into version control once you're done. You can learn more about this project and start using it on README.so. Also, be sure to check out the README.so on Product Hunt and upvote it if you find the project useful. Thanks, Catherine, for that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I like it. Like a little drag-and-drop editor for your README file. That's mm-hmm. pretty cool. All right, we've also got this Tailwind Configuration Viewer. So Tailwind Config Viewer is a local UI tool for visualizing your Tailwind CSS config file. So you can keep it open during development to reference things like getting custom Tailwind values or classes you might have like uh, colors or things like that, right? Mm -hmm. So you can toggle between a light and a dark mode UI and then clicking on each config copies the CSS class to your clipboard. So if you want to explore your project's Tailwind configuration quickly, all you need to do is install the NPM package and run an NPM command. So it's npi tailwind-config-viewer-g to install it globally. There's also pro- there's also stuff to install it like locally in your project. And then to run the to run it you just npx tailwind-config-viewer. You can also export it and upload that to a static host. Ooh. So yeah, so you can kind of like, hey, here's the Tailwind config that was used to build the site. Kind of cool. Pretty cool. Project uses Vue and Tailwind for the UI, among other things, and can act as an excellent configuration reference for your team, which is why you might do something like upload it to a static location, right? You can learn more about the package, get full installation instructions, configurations, options, and view the source code by checking out the blog post, which you will find in the show notes. Beautiful. Thanks to Ryan Absolutely. Ogden for putting that together. That is kind of handy. For sure it is. Scout APM, my friends, it's here. It is time to hear about application performance monitoring. So Scout APM is application performance monitoring. That's what the APM stands for. It's designed to help PHP developers quickly find and fix performance issues without having to deal with the headache or overhead of huge enterprise platform feature bloat. The nice things about Scout are that it has a developer-centric UI, and so tracing logic that ties bottlenecks to source code is really easy. So you're going to say, here's a memory leak. Where is that happening? It's going to find it in your source code so you can help. Uh, it can help you to quickly pinpoint 
and resolve performance abnormalities. Things like N plus one queries or slow database queries and memory bloat, things that are never going to happen in your local dev environment, but will almost always happen in your production environment. They've got real-time alerting so that you get alerted immediately. They also have weekly digest emails if you'd rather do that. And you can rest easy knowing that Scout's on watch for you 24 hours a day. And you can give Scout a try today with a free 14-day trial and experience why PHP developers worldwide love using Scout. For Laravel news listeners, Scout will also donate $5 to the open source project of your choice when you deploy. Alpine. Alpine. Learn more at scoutapm.com slash Laravel news. Wow, I told Caleb, I'm going to tell Caleb Porzio and Jason McCurry that they got free sponsorship slots this, this free time. Free sponsorships. You can't help yourself. Yeah, you only really can't. Once you, you can. latch onto something, you just got to tell the world. You do. You really do. Are you, Not the world, you. I mean, I you specifically. <laughs> okay. Okay. You mean me specifically. All right. Okay. I got you. <laughs> hey, so sue me if I get excited about stuff. What are you, What's something you're excited about? Is that like you? Do you do that? Do you tell people about stuff not, you're excited about, or is not that really. not really a thing for you? Not really. I hmm. just, only person I tell Keep stuff about is my wife. Yeah, she hates it because it's just her all the time. So I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example real quick. You're because you're not wrong. I do get excited about stuff, and I do want to tell people about it. Here's here was the most recent one that I drove my wife crazy with. I fixed our dryer tonight because mm-hmm. it's been acting up, and uh, there was like this thermistor that was broken and I spent the whole evening tearing it apart. I took some pictures. I should share them. Ridiculous. (laughs) And I put it back together and I was telling her about all the different things I had to do. And she's like, I mean, I'm glad you fixed it, but you've told me about this like six times. Like, can we just move on? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you, you probably feel the same. I saw on Twitter the the other day somebody had something about state machines and you're like, um, please don't (laughs) let Jake find out about this because I'll never hear the end of it. But then you tagged me in it. Like what in the world? Like you're bad. You're bad. I was, I was sharing, I was sharing the package whilst also taking pot shots at you because I know that the next five to seven episodes of the North meets out (laughs) web podcast, we're just going to be talking about state machines for some reason. <laughs> yeah, or maybe Andreas uh, Andreas Santabana's workflow mm-hmm. stuff. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. Laravel workflow. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool. cool. Like, we, yeah, yeah. So I want to talk with him about that. It, he's got some good put work a blog, in on that. Blog so. post together and, and share that somewhere. I agree. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, cool. Well, let's move on, shall we? Packages. Laravel Pretty Routes console command is a package from Alex Wolf. I don't. I don't know. I. You and I. We talked about this. I'm not one to look at my route list. To be perfectly mm-hmm. honest, I will go into my routes file quite quite regularly. Um, but once I have, this may be unique to me, once I have a, a project in my head, I kind of just know where things are for the most part, for the most part. Uh, but my True. routes file is yeah. usually where I go. I don't, I don't typically do that. Um, and maybe it's because the default routes file is, or the, the route output is kind of tricky to read. So this, yeah, this pretty routes package, uh, install it via Composer. You could you could put in as just a, as a dev dependency if you want, and you basically get a similar API to route list. So this new command is PHP artisan route colon pretty, and allows you to visualize your routes with a beautiful CLI formatting for maximum readability and helpful information. You can put exceptions in there. So if you don't want to see horizon routes, telescope routes, things like that, you can show me only specific verbs. So only the post routes. You can you can reverse it. And it lists it out nicely. It formats it beautifully. Makes it nice and easy to see. Really, the only things you care about is it a get? You know, what what type of 
request is it? Get head post put patch delete. What is the the actual route? So you know slash admin slash user slash user slash user, and then the name for that route. So it's all there. It's all pretty. It all you know it doesn't spill over multiple lines and things like that. So definitely check this out if you are one to need a better looking sort of more concise route list in your terminal. Thanks to Alex for that one. Alex Wolf. Yeah, it does look really, really nice. And I could make, like you said, like I, I used to use it more. I used to use route list more. I just don't use it very much mm. these days. And maybe it's because I've been really involved with the projects that I've, that we've got now that I help maintain. And so I don't really need it. But mm-hmm. the, the, I mean, it's really cool because it does like color code things for you, right? So all your yeah. get requests are color coded green. Posts are purple. Deletes are, are red. So I, I suppose like if you're jumping into a new project and you wanted to be able to real quickly kind of go through the routes and see like, okay, what's this, what's this project all about? If you install this, you're going to get a really nice output that you can take a look at and understand pretty quickly. So yeah, it looks awesome. So mm-hmm. nice job on that. Mm-hmm. Okay, we've got this package for Laravel Identity Documents version 2. So I think we already, yes, we did. We had a blog post about this, a version 1, but the package has improved uh, with the release of version 2 because it had a complete rewrite. So the package author, Hergen Dilemma, summarized this in the package write-up, which he said, over the past few months, I've completely rewritten the package to make the API very easy to work with to allow other optical character recognition services, OCR services, besides Google Vision, uh, even Tesseract, for example, which is an open source uh, one that's free to use, and also to provide face detection that extracts the passport picture. Huh. Uh, so here's kind of like the high-level list of features that are available in this package. You have a new searching algorithm, improved parsing, compatibility with more document types, improved viz parsing and confidence score, face detection to find passport pictures, uh, configurable ORC and face detection services, and improved interaction with the package through OOP instead of having everything be static. So what this is, just to be clear, is if you have an identity document that you want to scan and parse and grab the pieces off of, for example, a passport, um, or like a machine readable passport, you can get everything from the document all at once. So you can grab the front, you can grab the back, you can get the type that it is, you can get a parsed array, you can get uh, the the image itself. So all sorts of things like that. If you were needing to do that, which honestly, to be real honest, seems pretty niche. I don't mm. know how many people actually need to do this, but heck, if you needed to do it, it would be really dang convenient mm. to have this, yeah. right? You know yeah. what I mean? To never have to do this yourself. Uh, yeah. So if you happen to be one of the people who falls in that niche, this is definitely going to be uh, right up your alley. So share it with some friends who might be uh, in this space, and I think they will definitely appreciate it. Next up, Laravel Currency is a package that provides current and historical exchange rates for currency and cryptocurrencies. The package leverages the exchangerate.host API for exchange rate data and has a clean API for getting data. So you can call currency colon colon convert from USD to AUD get and it will do that for you. You could find out what the historical exchange rate was using the date method and all of the latest ranges. Uh, and then there's a complete example here. So you can get historical, you can get multiple symbols, you can set the base by which to, you know, to compare everything against the specific amount, any rounding, and so on and so forth. So if you're working with currency and you want a, a nice fluent API to do so within Laravel, be sure to check this package out. We'll have links to it in the show notes. Very cool. Uh, we have got a package here that basically allows you to use Inertia.js with 
Statomic. It is an Inertia JS adapter for Statomic. So Adam Campbell is a Statomic. I'm sorry, Adam Campbell is not a Statomic service side adapter. He's not that. He is the author of Inertia <laughs> Statomic, which is a server side adapter for Inertia JS, which is used to build single page apps without building an API. That's like the pitch for Inertia, right? And so Adam is a, a recent adopter of Statomic and a longtime fan of Inertia. And he just wanted them to kind of like snap together, right? Like Lego pieces, just snap them together. And so now the Inertia adapter allows you to do that. So it works with pages through Statomic or content available through Statomic collections. And once you follow the setup instructions, uh, Statomic page objects will be available in given view components as props. So there's a quick visualization of the props given in the project's readme. So you can see that there's like AMP URL, API URL, any collections that are available, the date, the edit URL, permalink, all the slugs, the template that was used, the title of the page, all sorts of those things, which then just get passed through to your view uh, components so that you can render them out using inertia. So pretty cool. Hmm. You can learn more about the package, get installation instructions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all the stuff that we always say by checking out the show notes. Excellent. On to the tutorials. This one we have here is from our very own Mr. Barnes. It is to check if a Laravel request is coming from the command line. There may have been times where you need to know if a request to your app is coming from the command line or from the web. As an example, if you wanted to turn the query log to dump out all the SQL queries. In the app service provider, you can add a check in there. Uh, So you could do a Mm, config switch or an environment variable switch and you can enable the query log. Uh, with this in place, it would run for web requests as wanted, but the side effect is it would also be turned on in our queue jobs. Let me wind that back. In the app service provider, if you were to say if config settings.profile, DB connection enable query log. So this would, in your app service provider, do that anywhere and everywhere that you are hitting your application, whether that's from the command line through Artisan, through queue jobs through the web okay so laravel provides a helper called running in console that can use to help determine what environment you are in you may have seen this if you've ever built a package and you're only wanting to make console you know only register commands to the console if you're running in the console and things like that so all you need to do is put you know if not running in console and that would handle things like your queue jobs any others and commands etc etc Look, what I'm trying to tell you is running in console. (laughs) (laughs) This running in console method is something that you can use if you ever needed to know whether Laravel was running from the console and you wanted to either enable or disable some piece of functionality in that scenario. If I've completely butchered that, please just see the link which you can find in the show notes. Or if you're using Overcast uh, and possibly other podcatchers, you get time-coded links in there and they will take you to these articles that you can go directly from your pod catching app location please move on to the next thing before it's too late jake very nice hey so the next one is from a guy i'm gonna try and pronounce his name here hold on yaz jalad yeah hold on i think it's i think it's i think it's just yaz 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 jalad jalad okay yaz jalad Okay, whoever this guy is, I've never heard of him. All right, uh, so <laughs> Yaz at Ninja Parade, we know who you are. Had to give you a little bit of a hard time. <laughs> I should have just stuck with the Yaz Jalad thing, huh? Yaz. I should have just gone for it. 
Yes. Okay, so Yaz is telling us here why you need a jsconfig.js file when you're using VS Code. So if you want to improve your developer experience when you're working with JavaScript in VS Code, you need to start adding a jsconfig.json file to all your projects. So what is a jsonconfig file? So uh, VS Code uses this to aid uh, your JavaScript language service, and it improves your developer experience, right? Developer happiness. So if you've just installed, for example, a Laravel Breeze inertial starter kit, when you open the webpack config.js file, you see an alias in there starting with the at sign, and it does path resolve, and then it includes resources slash JS. And so what this allows you to do is when you import components, instead of having to do something like import input from dot dot slash dot dot slash components slash input, right? We've all seen that before. Mm -hmm. Now, instead, you can just say import input from at symbol slash components slash input dot view. Uh, so you can go a step further and you, I can add component aliases as well. So instead of just using the at symbol, you can say at components and then you can include a path there. Uh, so again, it may be a little bit difficult to explain in words, but basically what this allows you to do is this allows you to shorten up your inputs, import statements quite a bit uh, and make it a lot cleaner and then just give aliases to them in that, in that file. So if you're using VS Code, your IDE doesn't allow you to autocomplete those paths. And that's where the jsconfig.json file comes into play. So by putting that in place uh, in the root of your Laravel application, the same level as your webpack config file, you can open it up and then add those paths. And then VS Code looks at that and will respect those values, that at and the at component. So it will resolve those in VS Code. So things like PHP Storm do this for you automatically. You don't need to handle any of that. I mean, but people, you know, whatever you want to do, folks. I mean, if you want to use VS Code and you want to do it manually, that's great. That's fine. You you do you, right? Yaz Jalad, you do whatever you want, man. I'm a PHP Stormer. Michael's over here cackling at me. What do you do in Vim, Michael? How do you handle this stuff in Vim? You don't? Don't write JavaScript. <laughs> don't write JavaScript. That's yeah, that's what a failed JavaScript developer says, right? That's exactly right. I wrote I wrote some vanilla <laughs> JavaScript the other day. I felt like some kind of wizard using document.query selector and all this kind of mm -hmm. fetch stuff. Oh, yeah. Using fetch to make post requests. I felt very oh boy. I felt very 2019. So with fetch, don't you have to do like um fetch is a little bit weird because you have to do a then and then you have to like you can't just get the the result right you have to like grab it they have to like then and then dot json or something yeah it was like just that, very simple you? stuff you know it, yeah, yeah it was it was very simple stuff that i was doing where i didn't actually care about what the body was i was just sending back either a 422 okay or uh or a um no actually it was only for a delete operation so it was literally just to avoid having a because i had a i couldn't have a form inside of a form and i was not using oh, gotcha. any live or any it was just it was a it was an old vanilla php thing so i just look it it did the job okay <laughs> i want to talk about it anymore. all right so hey if you happen to be using vs code uh check this one out thanks yes good write up man okay two more things here we've got uh the one you're going to cover and then we're going to cover a community link here yes go ahead my friend umami is a self-hosted analytics umami. platform that you can use uh, or you can deploy to laravel forge Many of us at the moment are looking to move away from Google Analytics where possible and reasons for doing Indeed. so stem from data privacy concerns, avoiding cookie warnings, and seeking a simpler UI to share with clients and teams. While looking into alternatives, you'll find a range of paid privacy-focused SaaS analytics products as well as some self-hosted options, um, some of which are shared by companies who also offer a hosted service. Uh, so the main 
privacy-focused sort of SaaS in terms of analytics at the moment is Fathom. Uh, they have sponsored Laravel News previously. They've sponsored the show. They've sponsored our other show. So if you're looking at self-hosted options, there is Umami. There's also Aki, Plausible, Persh. The latter of those two have both self-hosted and SaaS options. But this one, a nice feature of Umami is easily sharing public dashboards for a website. Uh, you can have a look at the public dashboard, which we'll have a link to in the show notes. Uh, but it's pretty s- simple to get it up and running. You create yourself a database and then on Forge, you can clone down the repository, run npm install and, uh, well, look at that. JavaScript can talk to MySQL now. So um, create an env file, put in your database credentials and you are off to the races. Pretty simple to get up and running. Uh, you can set up a daemon to make sure that the JavaScript application continues running. Um, and you can even set up Nginx to uh, forward the traffic, set up SSL and all of that good stuff. Uh, if you are interested in knowing more, uh, definitely check out this blog post uh, written by Joe Valander, who is uh, writing for us on Laravel News potentially for the first time. So thanks to Very Joe. Nice. Yeah, that looks pretty awesome. Nice work on that. All right. So, hey, folks, you know how we always say each week, like, reach out to us on Twitter. We love to hear from people, right? We always say that. We always say that. We do. We this do. is probably one of like 10 times this has ever happened, maybe. And so Ellis Green, this is your shout out, my friend. Ellis wrote a package. And this was really enlightening to me because I've never heard of this before. But apparently, MySQL has something called load data. It's like a statement that reads rows from a text file into a table at really crazy high speeds. So it's like 20 times faster than an insert statement. And Ellis has written a package that makes it really easy to work with this in Laravel. So this is a package to help with loading files into MySQL tables. So as I said, <coughs> uses the load data statement and um, it's the, the API looks looks pretty darn good. So I was reading a little bit about this load data statement on the uh, MySQL sort of like mm-hmm. blog, like in the documentation there. And the examples that are given here in the readme are pretty good. So you say like load file, colon, colon, file, and then you give a path to like a CSV or something mm-hmm. like that, right? Yep. And then you specify into the table name that you want, which columns you want, and then you just say load. Boom. There you go. 20 times faster than insert statements. It's going to read that file and then just pump them into a yeah. file or into a database for you. Pretty sweet. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, the thing is, I've had to do this so many times, mm-hmm. so many times, where you just need to pick up a file, drop it into a database, and then be able to do stuff with it. The other thing that's interesting, too, is that you can process this stuff before it goes in. So there's abilities to be able to modify or like pre-process the input before it goes in using these same so load data has some of that in there like the this load data statement has the ability to do some of these transforms um, and so this api that's being written here basically gives you the ability to write fluently and then it will transform it into that load data statement for mm-hmm. you again i've not used this before this is my very first time reading about it but overall this thing looks pretty dang cool Mm. And it's going to make loading stuff into a database uh, using, you know, your Laravel models. Pretty nice. Uh, it also has, let's see here, can be used via the load file facade, which is kind of a lot of what you see in the readme. 
or there's a trait that you can use on your models that will automatically pick up the table name from the model itself. So instead nice. of having to do uh, load files, colon, colon, you could say like employees, colon, colon, load files, and then specify these options and things mm -hmm. like that. So yeah, man, looks really, really cool. Uh, thanks so much, Alice, for reaching out. We don't have a blog post for that, but we do have, uh, or we will have links to the um, GitHub. GitHub repo. So mm -hmm. yep, looks very, very cool. So if you would like to be featured on the show and, uh, you know, just get cut to the front of the line, talk to us. This is, this is a great way to do things. Just talk to us on Twitter. Tell us, hey, here's a thing I made, and we'd yeah. love to talk about it on the show. Just slide yep. into Jake's DMs and you're in. There you go. Boom. That's it. That's all you got to do. I mean, no guarantees. I mean, this was a pretty cool one. This was an easy <laughs> yes, right? <laughs> but yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah you it's, got um, something cool. It's nice. It gives you that. I, if you're using SQL Pro or Table Plus or Data Grip or, or whatever it is that you're using, a lot of them will have an import thing, and you can just throw a CSV at that, and it'll and it'll do some of the basic stuff. But being able to tie it into Laravel and having a facade to do all that gives you the ability to sort of manipulate the things a little bit more easily. If you've ever used load file directly on like the command line, it can get a bit gnarly, especially if you need to do some more complicated transformations and things like that. For example, if you're trying to replace empty strings with nulls <laughs> it's mm. um it's not a pleasant experience to do that on the command line so this would make <laughs> it much much simpler and and if you're if you're pulling in a huge data set then you know rather than loading that csv even if you're using you know generators and things like that loading that that csv into memory or into an array and then parsing it and it, the whole operation just gets slower because you have to load that all into memory and then send it across the wire to MySQL and things like that. So definitely check this out if you are needing to do a chunky import of a CSV file. Yeah, absolutely. This actually makes it me think about maybe where I would do my transforms even. Um, like maybe I would just load it in and then do the transforms once it's in the database instead of reading it. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'll have to take a look at how this works. But we do that a lot, right? Where we'll just kind of read in some crap data set and then we'll transform it on the fly and then throw it in there. But depending, mm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Interesting. Anyway, very cool. Hey, man, that wraps up the show for us today. We don't got anything left. That's Nothing all left. there is. Yeah. Thanks again, Scott APM, for sponsoring the show. If you'd like to find show notes for this episode, you can find them at podcast.laravel-news.com slash 142. If you like the show, we would really appreciate if you'd rate it up in your podcatcher of choice. And of course, if you have questions or if you'd like to have something featured on the show, feel free to reach out to us at Jacob Bennett, at Michael Dorinda, or at Laravel News on the Twitters. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, folks. We'll see you again in two weeks. See you. Bye.